Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Angler's Happy Hour podcast. In today's show, we talk with Western bass fishing legend, Roy Hawk. We talk about customizing baits, sinking boats, and Nick's dog almost turning into bird food. Hope you guys enjoy. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Angler's Happy Hour podcast. Uh, we uh, hope you all had a great week and we're glad to be coming at you again here on a late Sunday night, early morning when you uh, download this thing. Let's uh, see what's going on with the guys. Nick, what, uh, what's up with you this week, man? Hey, guys, what's up? Yeah, been a been a better week over in this neck of the woods, I'm pleased to report. Uh, jokingly, nice. you said uh, two weeks in a row, I think, you know, on take one. But it's funny, I think of those signs, you know, like in a in a warehouse or like a factory, it says how many days since the last accident. We can now tape like a big number two up there. We got like, <laughs> we got the streak continuing. So we, we celebrate the small victories That's on hilarious. the Angler Happy Hour podcast. But uh, no, this week was, uh, I do have a funny story for you. It didn't sadly involve ripping any lips, but uh, it did almost involve some wildlife removing one of my beloved um, creatures on planet Earth. So I, uh, whoa. I've been, dipping my toes back into the real estate world and kind of fell down this rabbit hole out in the remote deserts of Florence, Arizona. And uh, so I think it was Monday afternoon, I loaded up the van with snacks and diapers and stuff. And my uh, infant son, my chihuahua, and I headed southeast out into the desert to look at this parcel of land that I had found. And uh, so it, it was like an hour and 10 minutes away from our house you know it's way out there and so we get there and uh, it's just open desert there's a couple of home sites out there but by and large i mean it's just like untouched sonoran desert and uh it was pretty warm that day it was like 95 or 97 degrees and the fall sun was pretty hot and so it's a 40 acre parcel i'm looking at and so i i got my infant in one arm and i'm taken off through the desert and i've got my chihuahua like 10 feet behind me like walking along and i'm i'm going through these ditches and arroyos and like all the washes because there's, there's some floodplain on it and i wanted to get to the very eastern end of the parcel so 40 acres and you know you're traversing that it's, it's a little bit of a hike and it was pretty hot you know it's two o'clock in the afternoon so the sun's beating down so we get to the far end and by that point dude my dog is such a wimp she's like trying to just lay down and die she's got her tongue all the way out of her mouth and she's like <laughs> hacking and like she's not That's a lot of good. steps for a chihuahua dude like yeah her her gait is like four inches per step so she you know how old she is because i know you got her when she was an adult yeah i you know the vet claims that uh she's like three or four years old so i don't know why she huh. sucks at living so bad for being so young man i don't know she She's definitely, I, she, this is proof that in the wild, she would make it like six minutes because we got to the opposite end. And by that point, dude, my dog looked like she was done. So I've got my infant in my right arm and I pick up the dog oh and I've got gosh. the dog in my left arm and I look like a total joke, like climbing through all these, you know, salt cedars and cactus and rocks. And I'm figuring I'm probably going to like get bit by a rattlesnake. So I get all the way back to the van on the other side to the West end now. And I'm like, well, now I want to walk to the south end because I want to see there's some more wash area over there. I want to see how bad it is. So I, I put the dog down. I'm like, I'm done. Like, I can't carry everyone. And like, my son's not going to walk. So sorry, Roxy, you're the one that's going to walk. And like halfway to the south end of this parcel, I see a shadow overhead. And I'm like, whoa, look at that. And I look up and dude, big old red tail hawk 
and it's like low in the sky. I'm like, man, that's crazy. Like only a few times in my life have I ever seen, usually those guys are either like perched up on a power line or they're up pretty high doing the circle thing, but not this one, dude. He's like flapping and he's maybe 50 feet off the ground. And just as the thought, I'm like recognizing this thing, dude, my dog is like 30 feet behind me. Like no way. And like a serpentine pattern and all hot. Dude, that hawk eyed my dog got pretty low and then must have realized that it was big enough that it didn't have a chance and it picked and then the hawk kind of like bombed down and then shot back up and landed on a saguaro like 20 feet away from us and was completely eyeballing my chihuahua so i like scrambled back there and like picked her up but dude she would have been that happens bro I think the hawk was going to give it a shot. I think maybe either my proximity was enough to throw it off or something. But And my dog had no idea, completely zero idea that it li- its life almost ended. <laughs> Even my 15-month-old son saw the hawk, and everything right now to it is a doggy. And so he's pointing. He's like, doggy, doggy, doggy. <laughs> <laughs> That's the doggy that almost ate your doggy. <laughs> That's great. It was cool, man. Like, I'm glad that my dog didn't get eaten. But I was like, man, it was like natural national geographic going on that's so funny yeah your dog is definitely hey that thing's been looking for something to eat for a while man that would have been a perfect snack it would have been good for like two weeks living off of that probably i'm glad it didn't happen that way that's good yeah thanks so so you and rob got out on the water this week i have i've been purposely not asking too many questions i'm excited to hear uh what you guys have going on yeah, yeah. So, uh, go ahead rob it was a fun day uh fishing was was Overall, pretty tough, but we scratched out quite a few fish, so it was pretty fun. Lost a really big one. I didn't. Josh didn't, but the guy with us did, so. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. It was all good. How big, I think? It was a big one for Roosevelt. We didn't really get to see it. I mean, hey, uh, if he listens, uh, it's it's all good. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't anyone's fault on why it came off, but it was uh, it was Josh Hader, uh, pitcher for the Brewers. Awesome guy, awesome fisherman. it was he on just, a spy he bait, loves right? To fish. Yep, it was on a spy bait. Uh, so light line. And, and they're uh, dicey, dude. Those are tough fish to land. Yeah, I'm just not quite sure how the line broke, dude. Like there were oh. a couple, a couple different ways it, it broke. It broke the leader, and uh, I felt really guilty at first, right away, because like I was showing Josh this bait, and I had tied the leader and tied the bait on. And as soon as the line breaks, you know, you know your first instant reaction as the guy that tied the knot. Right. Please, Lord, don't be on one of those knots, you know, and uh, <laughs> thankfully it wasn't. It was a clean break somewhere in the leader, but I'm almost wondering. I've never had this happen, but I'm almost wondering if uh, the fish ate it like in a real we- at a really weird angle. And one of the blades of the prop might have actually cut the line, dude. Like That's I've it never like, seen yeah. it happen. But the way the line just snapped so abruptly after like the fish had fought for quite a while, like he had it halfway to the boat, didn't he, Rob? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was and he heard about it for the rest of the day from Josh and us. So it was, <laughs> yeah, we just kept bringing it up. He's like, thanks a lot, guys. I appreciate that for not letting me. <laughs> oh, man. It's always the one that got away. You know, that spy bait, though, um, dude, it, it catches it catches them, but it also catches big ones, dude. That oh, thing yeah. is that's a that's a sweet weapon. It'll surprise you. Like, because it does attract it. It's one of those baits that attracts everything. Right. So you will catch the little ones on it as well. And as soon as you start thinking, like, they're just little ones on this thing right now, one will surprise you like that. And and it, it totally will catch a big one, dude. Man, I remember one time, a long time ago, 
throw in that thing and uh, I caught a really nice fish on it. And uh, it was funny because I, I mean, like he had just barely licked like the back treble on it. I mean, that thing was like skin hooked on the back treble. It was just luck that I landed it. But it was funny. It's like you could just envision that it was just enough curiosity to just just tick it, you know, and then sometimes they eat it good. But uh, that that's cool. You guys caught him on that. I'm, I'm jealous. That's a fun way to do it. Yeah, to me, it proves that that bait comes across to the fish as supernatural. You know, when you catch not only little fish, but you catch big fish on it also. So it's just one of those baits that really finesses them and gets the job done. So it's pretty cool. But yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, I wish he would have landed that fish. It was a it was a cool fish, but it is what it is. So yeah, yeah. next time, did yep. you guys uh, did you do the burrito dance? I mean, he had to course, see her up there twice. Twice. Especially with a VIP <laughs> friend like that, dude. He deserves the double burrito treatment, man. That's rolling so, out all the stuff. So he met us up there. He lives on he lives north in the valley. So he met okay. us. He came up the other direction, but it was hilarious. We bought extra burritos, right? And yeah. we we bust them out. They're cold. They've been in the cooler. And we're like, Yeah, these things are pretty good. And we hand him one. He's like, Yeah, I'll probably just take a bite. You know, like he was a little apprehensive, right? Yeah. And like Dude, minutes later, that thing was gone, and he couldn't yeah. stop raving about how good they were. <laughs> it was. How could you not? It's just I so know. good. They're just so good. And God, Miami, Arizona, out there, you've got to go. You've got to go. It's yeah, amazing. Miami, Arizona doesn't seem like a hot spot for restaurants, but for whatever reason, that one delivers. Oh, yeah, for sure. So while we're talking about it, uh, just a quick shout-out to Josh's outdoor fishing and hunting page. It's called stricken outdoors it's a they're on instagram and uh they've got a youtube channel as well so cool hunting videos a lot of good fishing stuff if you guys have a minute go check out his page um trying to think uh, we had a couple other funny things happen out there on the water cool things i guess uh dude one thing that was hilarious is rob you know rob came out with serious intentions of catching a frog fish like he really wanted to catch one on a frog (laughs) And, uh, dude, he did it like right away. Like he, he busted out in the clear water. And I was like, dang, Rob, you know, you're not going to wait till we get up into the, uh, you know, into the upper ends of the lake or whatever. That's kind of what I was thinking a little bit. And dude, like maybe what the first five minutes of throwing that thing, he had like a two and a half pounder blow up on it and caught it. Dude, I'm sitting in the back of the boat. I'm like completely just like running my jaw, dude, just talking away and not even looking at my frog just walking along. It's literally on the other side of a bush. And Josh Bertrand in the front of the boat's like, dude, I think you got a bite. And I like reacted because I felt him at that point, set the hook and just ripped him through the bush. So we got a good laugh out of that, but a lot of fun. You were almost a statistic for Kingston last week, asking if people, you know, how often do they eat it and spit it out before you even know you were almost. I was very close to being that. Yes. Yes. (laughs) So nonetheless, it was a cool fish catch. And and Rob, hey, Rob's frog has got a story. He's had this frog for how long, dude? Dude, it's got it's got to be six or seven years old. It's just it's pathetic. It shows how little I throw a frog, but uh, the tails have rotted out of it. So I pulled a spinnerbait uh, skirt through it uh, to make new tails on it. Uh, you got to squeeze the water out of it every other cast because it wants to sink. And yeah, it's a little tough, but it gets the job done. It was fun. Patina. And I just kept throwing the dang thing like like I was just determined to catch him on a frog for some weird reason. I mean, I. My thought process behind it is there's so much brush up there and being the third guy in the boat, like in the back, I didn't want to be that guy hung up all the time. So I just, I figured, uh, you know, you can, you can get a frog in tight spots and get it out easily. So with brakes, rip it out and, you know, so 
it was, I don't know, that was my thought process behind that. But That's cool. It's a good way to get a big bite too. But um, really? hey, you know, you're talking about how the legs rotted out and I've got a bunch that have done the same thing, just random brands, different frogs, you know, they, they, you put them in back in your tackle box wet and, yep. you know, they just, the legs get all nasty and stuff, the rubber legs over time. And I've thrown a lot of frogs away, unfortunately, you know, that, you know, frogs aren't cheap. They're 10 bucks each a lot of yep. times. But uh, a couple things that I wish I would have known before I threw all my frogs away. But I know some guys that put baby powder in their frog boxes. Great to idea. Keep, you know, to keep them dry and keep those legs from getting, uh, t- you know, stuck together and melted and rotted out. And then also a comb. So, like, uh, you know, and just to make, like, you know, when they open up their frog box, if they're a little stuck together, they'll just take a comb, like, you know, with wide little bristles between it. Comb the legs out, cover it with baby powder, and uh, the frogs will last a lot longer. I don't know why it reminds me of when you say a comb. Like when I was a kid, it was cool to have a comb in your back pocket with your name on it. <laughs> <laughs> with your name on it? It was the weirdest thing. Like, no yeah, way. Yeah, it's so funny, dude. Is that like in the 50s? Like with the comb over hairstyle? What's I don't, going know, on with that, I don't even know if it was cool, but it was a thing for a very short period of time. So. You Do people even have combs anymore? Does anyone have a hairstyle that you use a comb? I well, I think that like comb over like pompadour thing, but I don't have no hair. Like I had to shave my head again because the cul-de-sacs are ever increasing. So don't ask me about hairstyles. <laughs> it's hilarious, Rob. Great. That's random stuff. Uh, one other thing that was interesting, like Rob said, we had to work for the fish. I think we ended up catching about 15 or so, and half of them were solid fish and half of them were not, were small ones. But uh, one interesting thing was uh, how, how many fish were using open water. Like it's a, still a super transitional time over there right now where we fished and uh you know i I was really looking for some schooled up fish like we tried hard we fished several offshore spots and i know they're schooled up somewhere but what we kept finding was just suspended fish in open water and like a couple times driving down the lake like rob even noticed one time he's like what was that you know out literally over 140 feet of water and we turned around to look and they were bass blowing up and they're blowing up all over the place they weren't big ones but i mean Every the fish are using every inch of that lake right now, so it, it makes it tough to to get on a on a bunch of quality fish. Like you could catch those little ones all day, um, you know, if if you wanted to just count numbers. But you know, right now you've got to cover a lot of water to get multiple big fish to bite. Right now, in my opinion, that's the only answer to that. To me, I mean, do you guys have when they're that spread out? What do you do, man? Do you, is there anything else to do other than just cover water? that's my take on it cover water and you know obviously there like you said there might be a spot out there and it's there's so much brush in the lake it makes it hard you got to spend a lot of time finding that that deep spot that's loaded up with the better quality fish um and it's just i don't know we talked about it's at a weird level right now um i i prefer it when it's down a little bit you know so that's just majority of my experience on that lake is when it's down so obviously that's probably why i I prefer that um i'm sure there's guys that love it's plumb full you know but i'm with you yeah i love like just me as a fisherman in general i love like i love fishing and looking for scenarios where you can just sit there and catch fish after fish like yep and find schools i just i'll i'll search around all day just knowing that somewhere out there i can find that school and catch them on 20 casts in a row and yep. uh it's it's hard to do right now you're just you're gonna you're gonna plow through a cove and catch two catch one on each side of the cove and then you're gonna plow across a flat and catch one then you go out to a point and catch one and and it's just plucking them away and uh if, if you know that's what you got got to do going in 
you can do it and it's fine. And, and yeah, some people do like that approach, but dude, I'd rather hunt for the needle in a haystack. Uh, but it'll happen soon. Like the, the colder the water gets, the more the fish will school up, no matter where you're at in the country. And before too long, you know, that, that we'll be, we'll be fishing for schools again, but we're yeah. still in that transition, which is, it's frustrating. Yeah. I've said it a million times. I mean, the best time to fish a lake is when all the fish are doing the same thing, you know, totally, when they're, dude. when they're all doing, when they're in transition, it just, you know, you're, you're go, some guy that's when like you go to a tournament and you're out there fishing all day and you're just like nobody's going to catch them but someone always does so mm-hmm. they all they just did that right little thing and and um you know got them dialed in so lines yeah. up that one subtle thing that just pushes the probability to their yeah. factor mm-hmm. yeah it's just a weird time of year and i mean that's i guess that's just fishing in general and and roosevelt in my experience i mean um you have to spend time there. You're not just going to roll out there and catch them. You know, you, Josh and I haven't been on that lake and it's been a long time, you know, so I think we did pretty well for not uh, fishing it very much this year. So cool. No doubt. No doubt. Before we get, uh, go too much farther into the fishing stuff, we've got an awesome guest. We've got Roy Hawk, um, who just finished second at us open. I had won a boat two weeks before that in another championship. So, um, we're going to talk to Roy. He's got some great stories, but, uh, before that, I had one last note. I talked about how I was playing Jordan and fantasy football this week. Uh, crazy ending to the game. And I know none of the listeners are going to care about this, but I thought it was hilarious. And just the the way fantasy football can go, like I was telling Rob the other day, it, it, the, the actual game itself and how the game goes can have so little to do with like what makes you happy as a fantasy football player, you know, and it's sad because you end up rooting against your favorite teams and rooting for players that you hated your whole life, you know, and it happens to me <laughs> all the time. <laughs> I've got a guy on my, on one of my teams that I have to root for that has done, I mean, dude, the guy's been in jail. Uh, so like there's, there's all kinds of weird little things that uh, go on in fantasy football, but and we're going to get Jordan on here in a couple weeks to talk about this, like we said. But I am uh, dominating Jordan all day long with all my players. Like, it's, it looks like it's going to be a landslide. And then he has a couple players that make a late surge um, to get it somewhat close. But I'm still winning by, like, 20 points with the final game, the Monday night football game. And it's the Cardinals versus the Cowboys. I've got a couple Cardinals players. Actually, I've got the Cardinals kicker and the Cardinals defense which if you play fantasy football, you know you're not going to get a lot out of either position. And he's got Amari Cooper, like uh, the top receiver on the Cowboys and one of the top receivers in the league. Uh, the, the catch, though, is Dak Prescott's out. So he doesn't have his number one quarterback throwing to him. He's got the red rocket, Andy Dalton, uh, who's one of my personal favorite players because he has red hair. Dude, he's your <laughs> boy. He is. He's one of the few successful redheads in sports man so i always root for him <laughs> yeah stick together man yeah and when i say successful it's successful for a redhead like he's never won a super bowl <laughs> he's never really done much but he's he's had a, a long uh he's had a lengthy career at least bro he started for the Bengals for like seven years don't take away his thunder that's all yeah. right yeah yeah that's, that's, a, tough, that's a tough job seriously <laughs> anyways uh jordan's got I, i've got like a 20 point edge but again he's got amari cooper so dude there's like, he ends up cutting the lead to like 10 with two minutes to go in the game. And with two minutes to go, like it's, if you got a 10 point lead, it's over. But somehow the cow and the Cowboys are losing by like 30 points. They have no chance to win the game. The game's over. Like anyone that cares about the actual game is not even watching anymore. But dude, 
the Cowboys are at the goal line and Cooper's on the field. And if he scores a touchdown, like he's going to, he's actually going to um, barely pull ahead, dude. I'm like, just don't throw it to Cooper. I don't care. Just someone run the ball in. Just run the ball in, score the touchdown, but don't throw it to Cooper. What do they do? Throw it to Cooper. He scores a touchdown. And Jordan now is beating me by like two tenths of a point. It's like 140.4 to 140.2. And like two tenths is enough. Like I'm going to lose the dang game because of this stupid trash touchdown that, that made the game, you know, 40 to 14 instead of 40 to 7. So I'm freaking out. I'm upset. I'm like, dang it, dude, I'm going to lose the game. And uh, now the cards, all they have to do is run out the clock. Right. So and the game's over. Well, they're just trying to run out the clock. But the Cowboys defense is so bad that the the Cardinals running back, Kenny and Drake, runs through a wide open hole. Just trying to play where they're just trying to end the game, scores a 70 yard rushing touchdown. Which, again, no effect on the game. But now I've got the kicker. An extra point. And I get the uh, extra point, dude. So I beat Jordan by eight-tenths of a point. It was so funny, dude. I was, I was texting everyone in the league. I, I was so pumped up, man. It was like midnight Jordan's time in Alabama, and I was still texting him, dude. I Was, was like, he up watching it? No, dude. He just woke up to a bunch of texts. It was hilarious. That's hilarious. <laughs> that's awesome. Anyways, I'm sorry to bug you guys for that. I just thought no, it was, that's great. was silly. Uh, last thing before we send it over to Roy, the, uh, 21, uh, 2021 Bass Pro Tour schedule came out for next year and, uh, it looks really good, man. I just wanted to kind of run through it real quick, uh, talk about a couple of the lakes we're going to go to and, and also talk about, uh, you know, something that I've had a couple of listeners reach out, uh, I guess with a little bit of disdain and, and I understand why, but I, maybe I can explain kind of why, uh, why it's going to be the way it is. Um, so real quick, I'll run through the lakes. The first tournament, Red Crest at Grand Lake in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Second one, it's Sam Rayburn, phenomenal fishery. Third will be the lakes around Raleigh, North Carolina for heavy hitters. Falls, Jordan, and Sheeran Harris. That'll be a toad fest. It'll be awesome. Uh, stage two is kind of interesting. It's at Lake Travis. And like I really loved Lake Travis when we went there a few years ago. It's, it's kind of like a desert lake. Have you guys ever seen photos or uh, video from Lake Travis? I've seen a little bit enough to know that it kind of it, it kind of plays like our lakes here, I would imagine. Fluctuates like ours do. Yep. Uh, that type of stuff. And it's, like you said, it's a rocky type, desert type lake kind of, huh? Exactly. I mean, it's it's kind of unique because like it's really clear. It fluctuates and it's it could be an Arizona lake. I mean, it's got yeah. a lot of boat docks on it, but if you took those docks off, it would fit right in with all of our lakes. So the first time I showed up there, I wasn't expecting that, and I was like, oh man, like I was I was excited. Um, so that'll be fun. It, uh, I remember my first day of practice there. What one weird thing that lake had going for it when we were there was like it had. It didn't have fish in all age groups. Like it had a ton of little fish, like under two pounds, and then nothing between three and five, and then some absolute random giants. It was it was pretty crazy. Like like you catch one pounder, one pounder, one pounder for like you'd catch one pounders for two hours and then catch an eight. Wow. My first day of practice I caught two eights and a six. And <laughs> they were so random, dude, and mixed in with the little fish. I remember thinking like, dude, that was one of the biggest bags i've ever caught in practice and i learned almost nothing <laughs> i caught one yeah. on a vertical drop shot i saw it on the graph and dropped on it and caught one 
followed by several one-pounders on the same spot. Caught another one on a Carolina rig in a brush pile and another one on a Texas rig 10-inch power worm on a rock pile. All different parts of the lake. So, And the tournament ended up kind of going like that. Dude, I caught like an 8-6 on my first cast of the tournament. Oh, my and then, God. Nothing even close to it for the rest of the week, but that thing carried me. I knew as soon as I caught that fish, I'm like, I'm making the cut. Thank you. I knew one cast in, and I was so lucky. <laughs> I just need to get limits with this. But uh, that'll be a fun tournament. Um, put my phone away. Let's see where else we're going. We're going to Harris Chain in kind of early summer. That'll be really interesting in Florida. Chickamauga in Tennessee, which always has big ones. Uh, the lake is highly pressured. You know, a lot of guys will see that and – and be like, oh, man, we're going to have to fish all those pressured fish. But it's got big ones. So it's a, it's a cool lake. St. Lawrence in the end of June, which is going to be amazing. Uh, Champlain in the in the beginning of August. And then back to St. Clair in September. So three smallmouth fisheries. I'm, I'm stoked for that, too. So it's it, a good schedule. Is the St. Lawrence, um, I see it's going out of, what, Messina? Yep. Is that near Waddington? I mean, is that, or are you a ways away? What are, what are you at? It's actually even further down river than Waddington. So okay. what that really does is takes the lake even more out of play Lake Ontario. You know, gotcha. it's from yep. Waddington to Lake Ontario, it's probably just a random guess, 70 miles. But oh, Messina wow. to Lake Ontario is 85 miles. So it takes it completely out of play. Yeah, dude, you're not going to see guys doing that. You're yep. not going to see guys making that run. And the river is so amazing anyways. Yep. But that is a little further up. So that's okay. It doesn't, it doesn't uh, really bug me one way or the other where it goes out of there the whole right thing on. is just awesome so I'm, I'm just stoked to get back up there so what's uh, the disdain you're talking about the uh, just i think a lot of western guys you know we've had a i've had a couple western guys ask me like what the heck man how come they're not coming out west and i mean hey i i'm with them i i want them to come out west so bad you know because like hey i i've never had a, a home lake major tournament you know and if you're an angler that lives in tennessee and grew up in tennessee you get two or three tournaments a year where you're fishing for a hundred grand on your home lake uh and, and i mean i we never get that out here and it's it's a bummer but hey man i mean it's right now it's so hard to schedule tournaments with the year that we just had and this is like we had plans and major league fishing had plans to come out west and still do but like with the effect that COVID had on everything this year, and I hate to just blame everything on it, but these chamber of commerce and and cities and, and, and counties that are like that you have to work with to set these events up, like they are reeling after, you know, like it, all the major events that they were supposed to have were canceled. They haven't, you know, some businesses are doing really well, but that's, that's one thing that has had a really tough time. There's been no tourism, no travel. Mm. Um, so it's, it's just, I think, I think it, you see it's a mostly southeastern schedule, but hey, man, like there had to be, I think it personally had to be a somewhat easy schedule to do the, the year after all this craziness. And hopefully the following year they do it. I mean, they've got a lot of the western lakes on the radar, but, uh, you know, as as an angler, I wasn't upset when I saw it just because I under, I'm just thankful we're having tournaments, dude. And I'm thankful yeah. we have nine awesome tournaments next year. Yeah, just fingers Absolutely. crossed that 2021 looks like a quote-unquote regular normal year, right? Seriously. That we can just Hopefully. get back to that. Yeah, how long ago was it, dude? I know this was pre-MLF when uh, um, the elites had gone to Havasu and the Delta and stuff. Is that like six, seven years ago now? Yeah, it was 2015. And, I, dude, I remember, even though Havasu's not really a home lake, it's still four hours from me, and I only go maybe once a year. Like, it was a oh, crazy man. feeling knowing, like, dude, we're having one of these tournaments on a lake that 
I actually know better than most of the guys. It was a wild feeling, but um, Dude, didn't Eric Barton win that one? He did on the on the Blackbird, Blackbird. on the old bird bite. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that was super cool. That was talked about a lot, man. He was dialed in on it. <laughs> That's pretty Flip, sweet. Flipping tulies with Blackbird nests. He uh, he swears that the the fish, the big fish, were were uh, dialed into the eating the baby blackbirds, man. Anyone who likes That's eggs, cool. you know, probably eggs, little birds. I mean, it kind of makes sense. <laughs> They're eating the eggs, huh? <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> chicken nuggets and scrambled eggs, man. They know. <laughs> Hilarious. But yeah, so anyways, I think it's a good schedule, and I get the frustration from the West Coast, and I'm with, I'm with you, but I do understand the scenario. So hopefully hopefully next year, you know, I've said that a few times, but uh, dude, I think it's a great schedule. There's going to be a lot of big fish, and, you know, as, a, as an angler, when you see the schedule, like, that's how your next year is going to play out, right? So like, if you if you see a bunch of tough lakes to fish or a bunch of st- cities and towns you don't want to go to, you're like, man, next year is going to suck. But I mean, I look at that and I'm like, we're going to be fishing for a lot of big fish and a lot of nice areas, and we'll have a lot to talk about. So hopefully the tournaments are exciting. And dude, I'm I'm stoked for all of them. I think out of all the lakes, Grand is going to be the toughest for the Red Crest just because it's going to be so cold. Like it yeah. potentially could be. But that'll make for an interesting tournament. You know, it could be in the teens or 20s when we're launching our boats, you know, warming up to a high of 42. If when, you catch, when you catch a fish on a jerk bait and you move it every six minutes, you like twitch yep. it and then count backwards from 400 and then twitch it again. Yeah, seriously, dude. <laughs> I mean, hey, it could, it could be that style of fishing. So I don't know. I mean, it's I, I'm even looking forward to that. I'm stoked to start fishing next year already. So we'll yeah, see. I love- That's cool. I love watching those hardcore cold winter tournaments. I think that's a from a from a you know fans perspective. I, I love watching those ones. I think that's fun. I'm glad I'm not the one out there shivering and struggling with numb fingers and all of that, but uh, creates a little drama and it's entertaining to watch those for sure. Yeah, I'll be bundled up. I don't know how how you how you guys like how, how how tough you are when it's cold, but I am extremely extremely wussy. Like I will have so many layers of clothes, gloves. Uh, I, I don't do well in the cold, so I'll be it's bundled Because you up. need to eat. You need a little <laughs> fat on your bones, man. Dude, I ate two burritos. <laughs> and uh, the one that we left in the boat, I had it this morning, man. Did you really? Kept it cold. Oh, yeah. Good of course I you. did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dude, Josh, you're going to have to bring an extra set of what you were saying that you tape hand warmers to your body right and you had like a yeah. specific diagram of where they go so yeah. I'll, as your as your takeoff package i'll send you some like um salon pause hot and cold packs for you and a pack of tape so you can be ready thanks bro yeah yeah <laughs> it starts you, you tape them down to your spine on your thighs and the final <laughs> touch is in your crotch and my buddy in east tennessee taught me that <laughs> and it was a heck of a tip dude uh, you just put it outside your long underwear and your crotch, and that keeps your core warm. Trust me. It's the deal I'm telling you, dude. <laughs> Nick's mic needs to be muted like the debate because I'm laughing too hard at the uh, crotch warmer. So probably we've digressed far enough that it's time to bring Roy in. Yeah, let's let's send <laughs> it over to Roy. I want to make a prediction about oh. Roy. I mean, he's he's just all of a sudden gotten right. I think he's going to he's gonna do well this next season. He's had such a tough go lately. I think he's going to get it turned around. So that's my prediction. He's too we're, good we're of a, a fisherman to stay down, and he's yeah. made that turn. His last two tournaments, first and second place. So that's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> so happy to see that for him. So. All right, guys. Well, hope you enjoy Roy. Uh, dude, welcome, man. And thanks for taking the time to come on. Yeah, no problem. Appreciate it, man. What, what are the errands? 
Well, dude, yeah, no doubt. We tried to do it a couple times earlier this year, uh, but I'm glad we finally got you now, dude. And uh, we got you after you got a bunch of momentum on the on the fishing side, man. You just he, you won a boat at the Wild West Teams Championship and almost won a boat and a lot more last week at the U.S. Open, but still second place, dude. Amazing tournament. Um, before we jump into all that, what uh, what are you up to today? What are you doing this week, man, at home now that you're back? Well, you know, I'm I'm actually uh, I was sitting there this morning getting ready to pack. I'm going to uh, a cup event, MLF cup event, in a secret location with Mr. Josh Bertrand, <laughs> and uh, just kind of packing for that. And dude, I put off putting these. I have like five big lights that are in my garage slash fishing room, and uh, I've just put it off and put it off. I'm down to like one light. It's so dark in there, and I'm, I'm sitting there looking at bags of Senkos and I can't tell if they're green pumpkin or black or blue or what they are. <laughs> and, uh, I'm like, screw it, man. I'm going to get some light. So I'm going to install some lights and then get back to packing. <laughs> nice. Hey, if you need help with that, Nick is really good at hanging lights, man. Yeah. If, awesome. if, you, if you hire me, Roy, just, we need to buy two times the number of bulbs you need. Cause I'll drop half of them and then we'll be good. <laughs> What's you, the story uh, on that? What's that Roy? I said, do you work for Senkos? Yeah, well, I, I'm always looking for a job. Currently, I'm not, though. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he doesn't fish enough these days to even get to use the baits, but he, uh, he's he got a couple of buddies that will use them, I'm sure. I, I think uh, Zebco's looking to pick me up. That was my last offer on the table, so. That <laughs> yeah, wouldn't be totally bad. <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, hey, dude, Roy, um, so two awesome tournaments. But they were two weeks apart, and I don't want to ask you like any 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 of the secrets or anything you did out there, unless you want to you want to talk about it. But I, I'm curious, dude. Like, did you utilize the same areas and the same types of baits you used in the first tournament at the Open, or was it like a totally different deal? Did it change a lot over the two weeks? It ended up changing a lot, and believe me, I tried to utilize what I'd found two weeks prior in the U.S. Open. Um, I mean, you got to, when you catch good bags like that, you got to at least attempt oh, to yeah. do it, even though you don't want to live in the past and so forth and die doing it. But yeah, I attempted it, uh, every single day I attempted running that particular pattern. That was, that was the bulk of how I did it two weeks prior. And, uh, I only caught one upgrade fish in three days doing it. How about that, man? Interesting. Yeah. Well, dude, I can't believe what were, you had nine seven nine six and what did you have the last day in the open uh nine something i don't remember that's unbelievable it's as hard as it was to be consistent out there that's like three straight days of way 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 above average that that's crazy man yeah dudes were stoked with what six and a half seven pounds huh All yeah sudden, oh yeah for sure yeah it's incredible how tough it, that place was it was it was a different deal because each day was a little bit different um I had to utilize different baits and like one day I would catch one real good quality fish on a crankbait. The next day I'd catch, uh, you know, one big one on a topwater in the back of a pocket, you know, and then I catch other topwater fish, other places, you know, and then, uh, like the last day I caught one really good one on a topwater, but it was way out on a point, you know, and that ended mm. up, you know, get me nine pounds each particular day. And, uh, it was just, it was weird how, and Josh would love this. I actually picked up the last day at like 10 or 11 o'clock. I think I had one bass in the box and I picked up my drop shot rod, went to a little spot where I knew bass had, had congregated and I sat there until I got my limit. <laughs> so, nice. <laughs> nice. 
What time of day was that? Noon? Uh, must have been around 10 or 11 or okay, something right like that. Okay, right on. Nice Roy, what, Roy, what makes you, uh, tell the listeners what makes you change your uh, your reaction baits. You say you caught them on different ones every day. Did you throw all of them and you just happened to catch them on different ones? Or did you see something that made you change? Um, a little bit of both. Sometimes you just, like, especially with a top water that time of year, you're going to want to throw it at least some of the time. You know, first thing in the morning, again in the afternoon a lot of times. Um, sometimes if you just get a little tiny breeze that comes up, you'll know just to pick it up. You know, you just want to look for something. Or if you see a bunch of bait fish flickering or something, something's going on, you know, you want to pick it up then because it could get you a key bite. You know, if you're typically just drop shotting along or whatever or throwing a jig or whatnot, and all of a sudden you see some activity, you want to pick it up and throw it. Yeah. You know, and, and if you get some better wind, of course, like a crankbait, I actually caught that. It was a bigger smallmouth that I caught and weighed on the crank. I caught quite a few on a crankbait, but just one key when I weighed in. And that one, they were flat dead calm, but we were in a, in a, in a big pocket that had grass. And uh, I was just fishing the outside of the grass. And uh, so it wasn't wind associated, but I was just burning a kind of a real natural shad pattern crankbait, burning it, burning it, burning it, burning it. And I'd catch a little one, a short one, this, that, you know. And then, boom, I get, I'd load up on this bigger smallmouth, ended up being, you know, close to three pounds. But a wow. uh, real nice fish and makes a big difference, you know, in like a, you know, nine-pound day. So. Yeah. What's crazy, dude, is like you see your weights and like most anyone would think, okay, he was just on one really solid, like tight pattern or area and his weights were the same every day. He probably did the same thing every day. But dude, what you're saying is like you really just fished really well, dude, and you scratched and clawed and put it all together. And at the end of the day, you had these these great bags, but it just, it didn't come easy and it came all different ways, man. That's, that's what, you know, if, if you're someone that, that fished the tournament and struggled and you see that, like you have, it's, it's hard to have an idea of what it, what it all happened and went down to get to where you finished up, which it's, it's impressive, man. Yeah. I, I came away with that, not just cause I finished second, which is a really good finish, but I came away with, with the fact that of how I fished and how it materialized during the event. And things like that that I I really appreciated coming away away with that. And I could have weighed seven pounds a day, you know, and adapted properly and dialed it in each day for that day and felt the same type of feeling, you know. Um, it wasn't necessarily that I finished second, which I'm glad to do, but it's just the way that the tournament materialized and how I adapted every day and, and the conclusion was great. So it was cool. It was really yeah. cool. Especially coming off a you know, a terrible tour level season you know what i mean to get a couple good finishes uh means a lot to me and and helps me uh with momentum you know going forward so what's cool is you you come to one of the toughest lakes in the country to get right and that's that's (laughs) pretty pretty cool uh very true dude well, hey, right, wherever we're going to be fishing next is not going to be like Lake Mead, but I'm glad that you're going to have to be carrying that confidence over there, man. I think it's going to be pretty much everything that I'm packing, everything that yeah. was for Lake Mead can stay in the boat. Uh, yeah. I'm going to bring a couple things. Yeah, I, I guess, I guess. That's, that's funny, dude. Uh, right on. Well, hey, uh, while, we're, while we're on the subject of that, before we move too far off, man, I, like, I've heard a couple of your really good, crazy Lake Mead stories, but, like, dude, you've got as much experience on that lake as anyone. 
Do you have any like just wild stories from a tournament on that lake where, you know, you get stuck in 10 foot waves or, or something, something crazy with the actual fishing happens in front of you. Do you have like one or two stories that stand out good or bad? Uh, yeah, I can think of some real good ones, and I got to be careful not to throw people under the bus too much. That are included Just in don't the name stories. them, dude. <laughs> <laughs> or or keep the names. We need the ratings, so just uh, make it real juicy. <laughs> make sure they have a lot of followers, dude. If you're going to throw someone <laughs> yeah. under the bus, <laughs> yeah. uh, I can think of one of them in particular. This was uh, I don't remember the year, but it was quite a few years ago, and I ended up ripping the engine off the back of my boat. So. Me and uh, Justin Kerr, which I'll throw his name out there and I'll burn him because he did help me in the end. So. <laughs> but uh, Eddie's a great dude. We're like best he's the best. man, the best. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, we 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 get on these fish up the Overton, right? And we look at the forecast; it's gonna blow like heck. And we're like, dude, we got nothing else. We gotta go. All right, here's our deal: if we go, we're gonna go, and then if one of us leaves or getting ready to leave. The other one has to call the other one and, and just let them know that they're leaving, you know, and then the other one can choose to come, you know, in case they get in trouble or whatever. Cause I had this like crazy feeling that something was going to happen to Justin, you know? And I was like, you know, if you're going to leave, make sure and let me know because I want to make sure I'm there to help you. I mean, it was a weird thing. I just had this feeling like Roy gets these feelings once in a while. And a lot of times he's spot <laughs> on with tornadoes and, and the tornadoes <laughs> happen. Wow. <laughs> That's a whole different story. <laughs> you guys in a Ouija board. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, so anyway, so we jam up there. It's, it's smooth sailing. Everything's good. Um, get up there and uh, start fishing. And I start catching them. I'm, I got a pretty good bag going. And uh, all of a sudden, I get that, you know, when you first get that first wind, and I can feel it just tickling up the back of my neck like, uh-oh. You know, we better get, get thinking about leaving, you know, type deal. So I fish around a little bit more, a little bit more. I'm like, all right, we got to get out of here. Because you know by the time you get down to middle point, it's going to be, you know, brutal. So anyway, it's, it's probably, I don't remember the time, maybe like noon or something, you know. And uh, so I'm getting ready to go. Call Justin, no answer. Call Justin again, no answer. I'm like, dang. So I text him, you know, leave it, just say I'm leaving type deal. Get going down the lake, hauling butt. It's all looking good. We're jumping waves pretty good, and we're jumping them. And they're getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And we're still on top of them, you know. Now we're catching air, and it's getting a little bit crazy. And so we stop and, and slow down now. Now we're going to start plowing, and we're going up and bouncing. And and uh, everything seems fine, you know what I mean? It's like, dang, I can see middle point. We're getting close. And now I'm just like, all right, we're just going to – time looks good. We're fine. All we got to do is go down around middle point and, uh, you know, make the turn. And then we'll be fine because we got a north wind coming. And uh, – so now I'm just plowing water, plowing, plowing, plowing. And I got, dude, this is no joke. This is probably the biggest bag I've ever caught on Lake Mead. It was around 20 pounds. Oh, and day, day one of a one bass pro-am for a boat. And uh, so I'm like, dude, I got them. You know what I mean? I'm just taking it easy. Just have to get to weigh in. <laughs> just have to get to weigh in. And all of a sudden I'm going along, going along. And, and uh, all of a sudden my motor stops. I'm like, no way. I'm just idling. You know what I mean? I'm just plowing. And um, I'm like, no way. Try it. Nothing. Try it. Nothing. Pretty soon there's like water coming up through the floor. I'm like, what in the heck? And uh, the motor will not turn. It's done. I'm like, oh my gosh. So we got to, 
I'm here. I'm trying to call Justin again. He's like, Oh yeah, bro. I'm already down the lower basin. I'm like, oh. <laughs> hey, you gotta freaking be kidding me. You know, I'm like, Oh no. So now I'm like, I, you know, there's hardly anybody that was up there. So I'm just hoping that like one more comes by and no one comes, no one comes. And I'm trolling motor and over to this little sandy spot. And, uh, Finally, I just get over there and, and I, you know, I'm just sitting there. I let the tournament director know that, you know, we're broke down and I'm waiting and wait. Here comes a boat, you know, and I can't tell if it's a bass boat or what. And it ends up being this rickety old, you know, old fiberglass boat. It's pretty small, dude, with these three guys in it, shirtless, got no life jacket. <laughs> I'm like, oh my What are they God. doing out there? I said, I, I, I think that the Lord put me in this position so that when they when they go down, we can help save them. You know what I mean? <laughs> Cause, cause there's no way they're going to make it, you know what I mean? And uh, anyway, so we, we knew that at this point, we're not going to make way in. I got to let the fish go. We get in this old <sighs> cedar boat, and it was the scariest ride I've ever had. And the dude made it. And the dude made it and he got us into, you know, to the weigh-in and whatnot. And uh, so anyway, of course, we didn't weigh any fish. It was a zero that day. And uh, Justin, you know, hooked up with Justin and we went and had to go get the boat at night through the back, through the waves. In the dark? Wow. In the dark. Well, it was almost dark (laughs) when we got to my boat. And then by the time we got to Echo, it was dark. Uh We had to tow it back. And every time his boat would go up, the other one would be down, and then he, the the uh, tow rope would cut through the wave, and one boat would disappear, and the other one would pop up. Oh, my so, gosh. It was crazy. <laughs> but, yeah, we made it back. I borrowed a boat uh, and fished the second day and caught, like, you know, 11 pounds or something. I would have easily won. <laughs> wow. But it is what it is. And, and then check this out. So what ended up happening is because I was jumping these rollers, it wallered out the holes you know, where the motor mounts to my fiberglass wallowed out these holes and now water's going in and my boat was half sunk and I didn't realize it. Mm. So as I'm plowing water, all of a sudden my, my motor got so low in the water that it, it intaked water water. to the engine, seized it up and it was done. I've heard that happening. Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. So after that, you know, I, I finished that tournament and I had to go directly to Lake Shasta to fish FLW. Here I am with a blown up engine and wallered out holes and and literally I had to deadhead from there to go to Shasta to fish FLW. Get up there, the service crew, uh, David Draper with Devin, you know, threw on a new power head for me. We figured out a way to jimmy up the holes and away I went, got a check and back home. <laughs> on to the uh, next one. Yeah, it was crazy. But I'll never forget that time for sure. That's brutal. Hey, at almost every one of these like horror stories from Lake Mead. They all involve middle point. It yeah, always yeah. seems to happen right there. It's like the Bermuda Triangle, man. <laughs> Seriously. How many boats have sunk right there? Oh, dude, I have no idea. There's got to be a pile of them. I've had many issues right there. and know of many, many, many issues there. Man. Sounds like a good spot to drop a waypoint and start fishing structure. There's probably some good wrecks. I, I, <laughs> I actually won a boat right there at middle point one time. See, that's a better story. I like that one, dude. I stayed on the right side of middle point. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I like it. Right on, dude. Well, hey, that's cool. Thanks for sharing that. Um, 
One cool thing I know you like talking about, like you say, it's one of your highlights of your fishing is, uh, you know, being able to fish with your boys. And, uh, you know, you and Sonny, I think, are the only father-son to fish the Forestwood Cup at the same time, right? Actually, it's kind of weird. We had uh, we had Peter T. and his son at that same classic. No way. Yeah. Yep. Nick and uh, Nick, I forget how to pronounce his last name. Thierry you know Barros? Yeah, Sierra Barros. And uh, so, yeah, Nick Nick and Peter were both there at that one as well. Then so we had a couple of cool write-ups about it and things like that, you know, father-son duo. And, and so the, the two father-sons were, you know, battling it out too. So it made it fun, and we remained good friends with those guys since then. So That's cool. Especially Sonny and Nick, yeah. Oh, no kidding. Right on. Go ahead, yeah. Nick. Yeah, so, Roy, I mean, that's pretty sweet. Obviously, you got the, the fishing goods, and you were able to – uh, instill that and make your your son excited about it growing up when he was growing up what uh does anything stand out on was it just spending time on the water with him that got him interested in it was it kind of a natural thing or a combination what do you think it was uh yeah i mean uh he, he's been with me you know fishing and stuff like that i just put him in i put skyler my oldest one in a backpack and then i have sunny on my front pack nice. and i fish around the lakes and ponds and stuff <laughs> and uh, I mean, they've been they've been doing it forever, you know, since they were, you know, just born. But I remember taking one of those little day cribs and putting them in a the day crib and setting it up and then fishing around the shorelines, you know. So yeah, <laughs> it's, it's cool. been in their blood since they were born. And uh, you know, Sonny probably I don't know what the you know Skyler likes to fish, but Sonny loves to fish, you know. Uh-huh. And so there's quite a big contrast in the two. Skyler, it's so funny, like he won't fish for like a year. No, fish a tournament, it'll be cracking four pounders. Just huh. natural. I'm like, it's in his blood. Thing? Yeah, it's so weird. But uh, yeah, Sonny just loved it. He uh, he would always me and Skyler would go around these ponds and we'd fish for largemouth, and Sonny would just catch bluegill, and and he just loved that. He'd walk around dabbing, you know, freaking little jigs around the shoreline, and he didn't even want to mess with bass <laughs> until I think about the time he figured out they'd bite a frog, and then once he once he saw that action. It was all done, and he was all into bass. I think after interesting. That. That's well, a, that'll get you. That's a yeah. Who could turn him. that down? <laughs> Does he still love the frog? And hey, he ended up winning that. Sonny won that tournament on the co-angler side, by the way, for the listeners. So he's a he's a stud fisherman. But does Sonny still love to throw a frog to this day? Oh, absolutely. It's probably his favorite technique. Right okay. on. And going back to that uh, to the FLW uh, Force Wood Cup. I mean, dude. I've had a lot of great moments in fishing, but that is the single greatest fishing memory moment I've ever had is watching my son win the force whipped up. Oh. That was fun. That's unreal, dude. I can't even imagine how cool. Yep. That's what great. year what year was that and where where was it? That was uh two thousand fifteen. Okay. And what body of water? Lake uh Lake Wachita. Oh, right so, on. We went down and pre-practiced for that one, and uh, it was we had a great time just camped. You know, it's super hot down there in the middle of the summer. We got an air conditioning unit, which Josh has seen, you know, that I have in the back of my it's, truck. I'm so impressed by his truck. It's so cool, <laughs> dude. And uh, so I was on the top bunk. He was on the bottom bunk, and then we would we'd go up there and just sweat all day long. It's so freaking hot there. And then come home cook dinner and then crawl in there turn on that ac and we just die out you know we did that for like five or six days went pre-practice then we went and fished the tournament 
practice during that event, which was really cool. We got a lot of press, you know, guys would come out and, and uh, give us interviews and all kinds of stuff. Just made a big deal out of being a father-son deal. Um, my whole family came down. We rented two cabins down there just to have everybody there. It was just awesome. And uh, then in the end, to watch, uh, when we flew in the second time, when we were flying over the lake, I looked down and I saw this one area that looked like it had pads in it. And I was like, dude, we got to go check that out. So, because I don't know of any pads being on a Wachita. So anyway, we, we, we run over there and it does, it's got pads, pads in the back of this, this Creek. And, uh, that, that, that spot ended up being where Sonny who drew Clark Wendelent that day caught his biggest bag and, uh, ended up, uh, you know, the next day he won. So it was pretty cool. Wow. How cool. Hey, I can just going back to your truck, man. I, I've seen this <laughs> and, and like, I can't really paint a picture of it, but Roy has an AC in it. He's got a mattress in there, but dude, I can't imagine like bunk beds like in there. Like the bottom bunk's got to be like a coffin. Sonny must not be claustrophobic, dude. No, he isn't. Thank goodness. But man, he froze to death because that AC in it kind of sits on that lower bunk level. So <laughs> it just blew on him all night, you know. <laughs> but, That's cool. yeah, the, things that, the things we do to fish, man. I, yeah, that's cool. Gotta save a little money, right? Uh-huh, a hundred percent, man. That's cool. Oh. Uh, go ahead, yeah. Roy. I, I think it's the same trip. I think when we were there for pre-practice, we had tornadoes coming in. We actually went and got a room one night. <laughs> right on. Right Not on. a bad call. <laughs> I know you're running a bunch of errands, so we won't keep you too much longer. But one other cool thing that that I think is really cool that you do, man, is the way that you customize a lot of your baits. And uh, you know, Roy Roy travels with like a suitcase full of different things that are literally just for customizing baits, like just from different paints, nail polishes, his Sharpie collection is like no one's Sharpie collection I've ever seen. <laughs> He's, I mean, he carries hundreds of Sharpies. Uh, dude, like, can you talk about like a little bit about what, why you do that? Like what it does for you in fishing and how important that is, uh, to you mentally when you're fishing? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, when I get into doing into that aspect of it, it, it means that I'm getting very dialed in because you know, color is nothing to me in the beginning. It's always later in a secondary thought other than just like, Hey, I need a red crankbait and I just make the thing red. You know what I mean? Cause I don't have any red ones with me. Sure. Short of that. But where, where I like getting into the color aspect is like third or fourth rung on, on, on importance of what you got going on. So it means that I'm getting very, very dialed. And I'm like, man, the water's just got a hint of green to it. Let me just add a little bit of chartreuse and just a little bit of flash, you know, that it might get you a bite or two, you know, and I like being there, you know, mentally in a tournament situation where you feel like you're getting that dialed in that you're worried about color, you know, those key little color changes. I really like that. That makes sense. It's interesting. You know that Roy's on him, dude, because that there'll be this one day where he gets off the water a little early and that suitcase comes out. And uh, it's like, okay, yeah. And then it's arts and crafts hour. He knows what's <laughs> up, for sure. Dude, arts maybe you get hunted by Crayola. Be tight. I know. Hey, I'd take it. <laughs> <laughs> I'd take it. We could have a colorful boat. What, yeah, uh, 
the, so here's a question that uh, pops into my head, and I apologize if it's maybe way off. But so you talk about getting to that third or fourth rung of importance. What type of parameters do you think color really comes in? You mentioned that maybe there's a little stain or tint to the color of the water. Then does it come down to like forage having a specific thing? Are there some kind of like loose yeah. templates that apply? Yeah, absolutely. You, you know, especially in clear water, you want to match the hatch as close as possible in general. Um, sometimes you just you know, you want something that has a highlight color, like chartreuse or flash or a little bit of red or orange on it, that type of stuff. But in general, I want to get closer and closer to what the, the you know, whatever they're eating, you mm-hmm. know, whatever the forage is in general, for cool. sure. Especially in clear water. Yep. Right on. Um, uh, well, that's but, about yeah. all I had question wise. I know you're running around. Do you guys have anything else for Roy before we let him roll? Well, dude, I think we need to save some Lake Mead stuff because that Lake Mead story was far and away the most entertaining thing I've heard all week, man. So maybe just save some of those good ones and jump back on with us because that that was that's a trip, man. We could go for days with you, Roy, and we'll get you in person and and we'll we'll do this a little longer. I just uh, I know we just kind of threw this together last minute and you're running around, so I don't want to keep you too long, man. Yeah, no big deal. You guys can call on me anytime. I always like hanging out with you guys. Right on. Thanks for coming on. Well, dude, yeah, it was awesome. I'm looking forward to next week, dude. I haven't haven't really done much planning, but we need to chat about that, and uh, we need to go catch some fish, man. End the year on a good note. Is that your last big tournament of the year? So check this out. So I'm going to rent a car to go to the secret location that we're going for with MLF, and uh, I'm going to rent a car, throw all my stuff in there, and all but. Okay, the, the tournament, if I do good, will end on Wednesday. I don't remember the date, the 11th or something like that. And... Uh, I have to be back to Lake Havasu. It's a 36-hour drive, basically, to where we're going. And if I fish all the way to Wednesday and get done in the evening, it's a 36-hour drive home. And blast off for the ABA Team Classic is 36 hours from that time. (laughs) 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 I'm literally going to beeline it straight from this location all the way back and uh, hopefully make blast off. So my buddy Park Park will be there, you know, have the boat and stuff. And uh, so literally if I'm an hour or two late, he can just pick me up at the ramp or that type of a deal. So it's always fun to have an adventure like that. My wife's going to fly out and then help me drive back, um, which will be huge. And uh, so it'll be, it'll be cool. Always an adventure, man. How many years have you been fishing with Mark? Uh, Over 25 years together long time yep yeah that's a cool story they are a, they're a killer team they've Absolutely. won so many tournaments together and, and i mean you guys are best friends aren't you dude like you guys do everything yeah. together yeah back in the day when we operated like a, a business you know together you know uh i would do all the practice stuff like that and he'd had all the money for the entry fees and he would show up he had to work and stuff so he'd get off the off of work, drive straight to the lake and show up. His rods would be all rigged. We'd just jump in the boat and go. And we knew what each other's place was. And we just operate so good together, you know, over the years. And, you know, I want to say we were better and better each year. And in a lot of regards, we are. And sometimes we get a little bit lazy just because we've been together so so much and we depend upon our certain aspects, you know, so easy, you know, it just comes so natural. And, uh, but yeah, man, we've had a lot of good times won a lot of tournaments and uh, traveled all around the country together. He fished as my co-angler uh, on the FLW tour. And, uh, you know, we've been everywhere. Just bass opens together, all kinds of stuff. 
I bet there's some awesome wow. inside jokes and ribbing that probably takes place over 25 years of traveling with your buddy fishing. Hey, okay. Last yeah. one, Roy. I know I tried to wrap it up five minutes ago, but more stuff keeps popping up. What's the what's the gnarliest place that you and Mark ever stayed together as far as a, a hotel or a, a, a rental or a gnarly campground? You guys have to have a, good, a couple good ones together. I know I'm putting you on the spot. Maybe just a coffin bunk a bed in that truck. <laughs> yeah, a lot of them you try and forget, you know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I can't think of one that's that's too crazy. Flashes of different things come up. One of them is just up there at, at Lake Roosevelt. We stayed in a pretty shady place one time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> All of them up there. Yeah, dude. Just, and it's know. a great area, but like, yeah, just the, yeah, no. the hotel selection is slim pickings, man. We were calling it the Scorpion Den, so. Yeah. <laughs> That's, is that the same place that Cody got stung? Uh, no, a different one, actually. Oh, man, they're everywhere up there. That's funny. <laughs> right uh, on, dude. No, I can't, I can't think anything, too. Nothing really pops up that's, like, the number one spot or anything. But. Yeah, well, we all try to strive to put those types of experiences out of our minds, so so we empathize <laughs> with you. We tried to stay one time, and we were fishing the Delta out of... Uh, out of uh, uh, Frank's track, and we tried to stay in Antioch one time. That was a total mistake. It ended up Rough. being a crack hill, you know. <laughs> People coming and going all night. It was crazy, dude. Anyway, we, yeah, we we made it the whole week. I couldn't believe it, but uh, that was pretty bad. Another one at uh, Stockton. We had Bassmasters going out of Stockton back in the day, and we stayed right there in downtown Stockton, man. That that was a freaking trip. If, we had, if, if you didn't have a lock on your trailer hitch, it was gone in the morning, huh? We actually, yeah, I mean, we heard of some, some of that, those type of issues going on, but we didn't have any of those issues. Thank goodness. We just had a lot of solicitation our way. Ah. <laughs> Man. Opportunity to pick up some new habits and vices along the way, huh? Oh, yeah. They, I was out there, you know, practice casting and, and working on lures out there in the swimming pool. And, man, these, these are some wild women that come. I think they're women. <laughs> It was wild, but that was, man, that was a long time ago, but that was pretty crazy. I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I think I was, I don't know, 26 years old or something. Yeah, it was crazy, but we made it through that one too, so. Yeah, good times. Now they're just funny stories. I love it. <laughs> Well, hey, that's cool, dude. We uh, we'll let you run, but thanks again so much, and uh, look forward to hanging out next week and uh, travel safe, man. Yeah, likewise, bro. I'll talk to you. Okay, All right. All right. thanks, Thank you, Roy. Roy. Sounds good. Thank you, big time, Roy. See you, man. Thanks again to Roy, and thanks to all of you guys for listening to the podcast. If you like the show, it would mean a ton to us if you told a friend or even shared it on your social media pages. Hope you all have a great week, and we'll talk to you next Monday. Thanks, everyone.